Thanks, Charlotte. If you've got that handout, uh, you might like to just keep that uh, in front of you for a little while. Um, I, I haven't told very many people this, but I, I was driving uh, to Brisbane for a meeting earlier this year, so from Bundaberg to Brisbane, and I, I was driving my beloved 2004 Nissan X-Trail. Uh, and as I suppose you know, along that track, there's plenty of opportunity to fill up with petrol if you need to. Uh, I didn't. Uh, instead, the old X-Trail sort of rolled to a stop. I'm not 100% sure where I was, somewhere between Bundaberg and Gympie. It felt like I was in the middle of nowhere. Has, has anyone else had this experience or is it... No, it's just me. Where you dri- you're driving up the hill and the car starts to shudder and sort of cough and you think, oh dear. But then you're going down the hill. Uh, and it coasts down the hill and then up the next hill and it's coughing and spluttering and you're thinking, how far is it to that next petrol station? I think I was about six kilometres short. Uh, It's a little embarrassing, uh, that story. I reckon the real downside to it, though, really, uh, is that when I ran out of fuel, the Nissan X-Trail fuel gauge, it was lying to me. Uh, it said it was just under half a tank, which means, you know, I should have had enough to, to have gotten there. Uh, I shouldn't have trusted the dodgy thing. And, and then to add to it, I at least had an inkling uh, that it was a dodgy fuel gauge. Yet there I was going up the hill as the car was coughing and spluttering, thinking maybe it'll be okay. Maybe I'll make it. It's not the smartest thing to be doing. It's no good, is it, when you're being led uh, by someone or something that is just unreliable, uh, a a petrol gauge or or whatever else. I realise that's a trivial uh, example, but what if our worldview is unreliable? What if our whole framework for life is wrong? Uh, It's no good when we're being led by something or someone unreliable. Uh, John chapter 10 that Charlotte just read for us, it it isn't just a nice story about how sheep farming worked uh, in the culture that Jesus uh, lived in, but it's about the danger of following dodgy, untrustworthy leaders. Uh, The the scene was set in chapter 9, and we looked at this last week, if you were here, where Jesus heals a bloke who was blind from birth. Uh, There's the healing and then there's this investigation that follows. Did it really happen? And what really stands out, what is striking is that instead of getting excited about this bloke who was blind but now he can see and excited about the authority of Jesus that he could do such a great thing, the Jewish religious leaders, the Pharisees, they want to squash the evidence. And after verbally abusing that man who's been disabled his whole life, they then kick him out of the community. They kick him out of the synagogue. They cut him off from the community. Dodgy leaders. How dare they do that? And what we have as John chapter 10 begins is Jesus getting stuck into those religious leaders. It was just read for us, but let me reread those first six verses with some comments uh, along the way. Have a look if your handout's there. From verse 1, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, 
says Jesus. See that he's directly speaking to the Pharisees, the, the Jewish religious leaders. What does he say? He says, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. Where to picture the overnight sheep pen, security uh, would go in and they would be locked up uh, for safety, for security uh, overnight. And obviously the legitimate point of entry is the gate, but no thief is going to use the gate. They'll just get caught by uh, the gatekeeper. And in this pen, there's not just one mob of sheep, but there's sheep belonging to various shepherds. Look at verses two to five. Uh, We read, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Makes sense. The gatekeeper or the watchman opens the gate for him. That is the shepherd and the sheep listen to his voice. The shepherd calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they don't recognise a stranger's voice. Uh, Sheep farming over there, a bit different to the Aussie farmer. It's not behind with a dog and a a four-wheeler, but it's in front and the sheep following along. And it's not 200 or 2,000 sheep. It's more like 10 sheep following along. And each shepherd would stand outside of the, the pen and they had their own unique call. And so they would call their own sheep to them. But notice here, John extends that and he says, the shepherd knows each sheep's name. So you picture this shepherd calling out his sheep one after another by name. It's really personal, isn't it? So that's the story. And then verse six, we read Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees, these leaders didn't understand what he was telling them. Now, at this point, I'm not sure that we would really understand much, what of, uh, much of what he's saying either. But that there's that great contrast between the thief, the robber, and the shepherd. Uh, the, the Bible has lots uh, of this shepherding talk in it. And one example is from the Old Testament in Ezekiel chapter 34, where the Lord gets stuck into the dodgy leaders of that day. They're meant to be shepherds of the people, caring for them, leading them in God's way. That's, that's the role of the leader. But instead they're selfish and they do the sheep nothing but harm. Because of this, the Lord says they're, they're going to be sacked from their role of shepherding the people. And instead God himself will be the shepherd. Now, I'll put it to you as we read John 10, there's something of this uh, going on. Jesus is in some way saying to these religious leaders who were meant to be like shepherds to the people, you're not shepherds, you're thieves, you're robbers, you're sacked. It's no good following a dodgy leader. But what Jesus says next is surprising. I don't know about you, but as you read this, I think, well, he's going to talk about how he's the good shepherd. That's got to come next, isn't it? You're sacked. I'm the true leader. I'm the good shepherd. And soon he will. We plan to look at that next week. But look at verses 7 to 10. See where he puts himself in this shepherding story as what? Verse 7, the gate. 
not as the gatekeeper, but the actual gate. I am the gate. The one through whom the sheep enter for safety and security. The one through whom the sheep go out for pasture and water, for food. And remembering, who's he talking to? These religious leaders. See verse 8 and 9. He says, All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, you dodgy leaders, you and all the rest. But the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. So on this hand, you've got Jesus getting stuck into these dodgy leaders. How dare they treat that man who was born blind from birth, disabled his whole life. How dare they treat him like that, cutting him off from the community. But on the other hand, we have Jesus making an exclusive claim. You want salvation? You want safety, security, fullness of life? You want these things? Jesus says, come to me. And in some ways, we live by contrast. Comes only to that summary in verse 10 is really helpful. The contrast, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. The, the dodgy leader serving their own purposes, caring nothing for those under them. But Jesus, what about him? I have come that they, that you may have life and have it to the full. As he's getting stuck into these dodgy leaders, Jesus also makes a massive claim. Uh, Roy Clements, I've got no idea who he is, but he said this. He said, the world still seeks its humanistic political saviours. It's Hitler's, it's Stalin's, it's Mayo's, it's Pol Pot's. And only too late does it learn that they blatantly confiscate personal property ruthlessly trample human life underfoot and contemptuously savage all that is valuable. Now, thankfully here in Australia, we don't have leadership like that. But we do want a leader that's reliable, don't we? A leader who will not bring harm. A leader who will, who can give the fullness of life. And here Jesus is saying, I'm the only one who can do that. Jesus, the gateway to salvation. Jesus, the gateway to the fullness of life. That's a huge thing to say, isn't it? In, in a world where people believe all kinds of different things. Yet it's Jesus who taught with authority, who had compassion on those who are in need. Jesus who died and rose from the dead. Now, I don't know whether you're someone who's actually paused. Uh, I, uh, I noticed uh, where are people who don't pause and reflect very much? Uh, I, I don't know if you've thought much about what leadership you're following. Uh, and I don't mean your boss at work uh, or, or our government. I mean your framework, your map for life. It'd be no good if it was as dodgy as the Nissan X-Trails fuel gauge, would it? Maybe uh, you've been too busy to stop and think. Uh, maybe you, like me, are a product of our time and culture so that your inclination is to look within for leadership. 
believe in yourself. That's what they teach us, isn't it? Trust in yourself. Be the authentic you. I don't know about you, but when I do that, it leads me to anxiety. Jesus says, no. No, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And he's not just talking about this life, but the one that is to come. If you were to go to uh, Papua New Guinea and visit uh, the, the highest mountain there, Mount Willem, uh, some, just some way from the top, uh, there's a crash site uh, of a, a World War II liberator bomber of the US Army Air Forces. Uh, what, what's really sad about that particular crash that happened uh, in, in New Guinea was that if the plane was flying 40 metres higher, it would have cleared the mountain. It, it would have been fine, but they were flying with a dodgy map. The maps had been drawn up quite, quite quickly, but no one knew the height of Mount Willem. Makes sense. It, it was, you know, it's normally covered by clouds. And so the crew, with a perfectly good plane, smashed into that mountain and were no more. A, a dodgy map. I'd love for you to think about who you're following, what you're following. And I'd love you to see if you don't already, as you investigate Jesus, that his exclusive claims ring true. Uh, I might um, just pray along those lines now. So pl please bow your heads with me. Uh, loving God, uh, we thank you uh, for the story of the Bible, uh, that this world went pear-shaped when humanity turned away from you. But we thank you, Lord, that you weren't done with us, that you sent your son into the world as the gateway to life. And Lord, we pray, I pray for each one here this afternoon that you would help us not dismiss Jesus, but explore his exclusive claims and help each one of us see, Lord, that he is a trustworthy leader that he is the trustworthy leader. And we pray that each one here would have life in his name. And Lord, this is a prayer too for many others around us who don't yet know him. We pray this in Jesus' great name.